this is one of the uh, more opinionated and controversial parts of our program. It's called Left, Right, and Center. We do it every Wednesday from 11 o'clock on or right after the 11 o'clock news. And I'm joined in the studio, as I am most Wednesdays, by uh, Bob Metz. Uh, Hi, Jim. Sli slightly to the right, and Jeff Schlemmer slightly to the left, and I'm slightly to the middle. Uh, before we get into our topic today, because this isn't it, I just I know you guys were listening to a little bit of the last uh, hour. Do either of you uh, just kind of ask you, Bob, should he lose the medal? Oh, absolutely not. Um... I think the issue here is is then when, where you have a discretionary situation allowed, you got to wonder why that discretion was exercised. Um, I just know what I know from what I heard on the show this morning, but I got the impression that uh, there was no evidence that this individual had been, you know, smoking no. seriously. And no. so my question is, why did the discretion get exercised the way it did? Jeff, do you uh, should you lose the medal? Oh, no, not at all. And, uh, you know, we've got laws to deal with other kinds of misconduct. If somebody's suggesting that he's broken a drug law, they should call the police and they can deal with it. You know, that's where that, that form is. But to say that if you break absolutely any law, you lose medals, then it's like, well, if somebody gets stopped jaywalking over there, do they lose their medal? You know, if somebody has a parking ticket outstanding in Canada, do they lose their medal? It's just... It just gets crazy. It's totally the wrong forum. Can't do it at all. Well, gentlemen, that's not the topic uh, that I have for you today. I'm very curious to hear what you fellows will have to say about this. There is uh, coming to an end in Newfoundland. In fact, it's, I guess it's already ending in some areas and some elements of it. What they called the TAGS program, and I don't know what the acronym stands for, but it is the program of government subsidies and training allowances and so on for the fisher folk. Uh, in Newfoundland who have seen their way of life uh, changed radically because there are no fish anymore. The government has pumped in uh, well in excess of a billion dollars into this program over the last, I think, about four years um, with questionable results. Now, the funding is ending, and they are discovering that for the most part, the people that they have been trying to retrain and reorient and so on are still oriented in pretty much the same direction they were when this program started. Uh, that there have not been any significant changes in terms of new employment opportunities in Newfoundland as a result of this program. Uh, there have been some new jobs created uh, by virtue of the growth of the economy, but basically that's, they're, they're, they're not much further ahead than where they were when they started the program. The, the complaint of the people of Newfoundland, the fisher folk of Newfoundland, and I heard one fellow say, I thought rather eloquently last night, that if, if the government does not help us, it is the end of Newfoundland. So my question to you today is, given that scenario, given that if the government subsidies stop, the government money stops, it is highly likely that large numbers of Newfoundlanders are going to have to leave the rock, as many have already, mind you, but that large numbers are going to have to leave the rock, and many of these outlying uh, outports, the fishing ports, uh, will probably become ghost towns, will disappear, because there is no role for them in the late 20th, early 21st century. That may change some years out, but for the foreseeable future, it's not going to. My question this morning is, what is the appropriate fate of those fisher folk and the people who defend on the fishing, depend, depend on the fishing industry? Um, should the federal government continue to provide subsidies and train them and so on? The rationale is, two rationales. One is, you have a right to live where your home is. Two, uh, the government even though they haven't admitted responsibility officially, have tacitly taken responsibility for destroying the fish stocks. Um, so do you, do you continue to subsidize them and try to train them to do something else, although what you get a, a, a person who's fished all their life to do and keep them in the fish port, nobody seems to know. 
Is it the government's responsibility to stay there, or is it time for the government to say to them, this is a big land full of opportunity, go and seek the opportunity where it exists? And Jeff, I'll ask you to start. Well, I, uh, I say that the government can't have it both ways. And if the government wants to say, we're not going to support Newfoundland anymore, then what they should also do is hand over responsibility for the fisheries to the province and say, we'll let you decide what the appropriate cod levels are. For me, it goes back to 1949 when uh, Newfoundlanders voted in a referendum to decide what country to join. And I've read, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I've read that a majority of people voted to join the U.S. And at that time, there was a strong U.S. involvement from following in World War II, where mm -hmm. there were a number of bases built there, yeah. and that uh, Joey Smallwood, uh, uh, our father of Confederation, somehow rigged the vote to get them into Canada. Uh, so from my end of it, uh, if we want them to be part of the country, we have to support them. If we're not going to support them, then at the very least we should let them run their own affairs. Robert? Well, I, I don't think it's an either-or situation. I think that what you're seeing is, um, let's take aside, let's put aside for a moment the issue of whether the government's responsible for mis mismanaging the resources, which I believe it is, but let's, let's assume it was nature. Let's say something happened in nature where suddenly the cod um, stock disappeared and all of a sudden all these people found themselves out of work. What would they have to do? Well, they'd either have to be happy with what they have and find other means of employment and stay where they are, or they'd have to pick up and leave and find a job elsewhere or start a job or get involved in something by which they can earn a living. Um, you know, you said that people have the right to live where their home is. Yeah, but every right comes with that responsibility. And if we're asking Ottawa to pay for that right, well, then you just gave the right away. And I cannot imagine a whole group of people totally dependent on the state at the whim of Ottawa whether they're going to get their next check or not. That would scare the heck out of me if I was dependent on some big monolithic state you know, that state that for starters is bankrupt already, mm -hmm. and uh, you're going to put a bunch of people dependent on this bankrupt institution? Bob, How's that going to do them any good in the long term? But I'm an outport fisherman, and if you don't continue with these subsidies, I can't fish anymore. If you don't continue with these subsidies, I've got to pack up my wife and kids and leave my ancestral home where my forefathers have been for six generations, and I've got to go to Toronto or some other godforsaken place just to earn a living. Right. You're not going to be doing any fishing there either. So you can stay stay where you are and decide not to do some fishing too. We're, we're, we are in a world today where the international markets are, break, are, are opening up, rather. And uh, you've got to start looking at other ways of making money. You can maybe stay in your home, start a business on the Internet. I know many people myself who started very successful businesses strictly on the Internet, sitting in their houses, connected to a telephone wire, doing business around the world. Yeah, but we're, I've we're, been a fisherman all my life, Bob. Come well, on. There, you, there you go, you know, and if you were the in the house and buggy business and, no, but the and government the car owes me. No, the government owes me because they, you said before, we would. let's assume that the government hadn't destroyed the fish stocks. The fact is the government did. Government mismanagement, they owe me. Well, they may have some responsibility, then you'd have to sue the government. But I don't think you have a right to some sort of eternal welfare and, and, and to a style of living. Otherwise, we'd have to do that with everybody. Uh, Don't accountants have that right when they come out, when, they, when, when their jobs suddenly are gone, perhaps because of some regulation the government just did? Don't bankers have the same right? Don't uh, 
plumbers and florists and doctors. I mean, you could go on endlessly. What's so special about this particular industry? Well, it's not as simple as eternal welfare, though, that what presumably the government would want to be doing, and I know they've been doing that in the East since forever, is trying to find other things to do. But isn't that the whole point? They've been doing it forever and that it hasn't worked. Well, you know, you can't say it hasn't worked. You look at New Brunswick, for instance, where Frank McKenna did a lot of work about uh, seating companies. You talk about uh, phones and how it doesn't matter where the phone is, and you look at the call centers that have been brought into New Brunswick. But he got Frank, a lot of criticism but, from but, sucking it out of other provinces. He did, but Frank McKenna did that on a, from, as a provincial premier. He didn't go cap in hand to the federal government and say, give me money to do this. Oh, well, the government's, federal government's certainly strongly involved in it. Part of it is the, uh, the whole tradition of seasonal work down there with uh, unemployment insurance, the way unemployment insurance is st structured. I was talking to an MP from uh, New Brunswick uh, a couple of weeks ago who said that uh, the big issue uh, in New Brunswick in the last election was the cuts to EI. And the reason it was a big issue is because a lot of, almost everybody she knows, is to seasonal work. So their whole life is structured around getting EI all winter. Uh, you know, in the summer they're in the tourism business or in forestry But do they pay more money during the summer into EI than you and I do? No, they don't. So why should they have a right to work for three or four, five or six months a year in the summertime and go on EI all winter? Well, I mean, that, that to me, that, that doesn't look like, a, like it's a sustainable system. Well, I'm the guy who never talks about rights on this show. I'm the guy who talks about what makes sense. I'm not saying they have a right to do it. I'm saying that it's in our best interest to do it. And if you look at life in the East, generally, but how, a lot poorer wait, than we are. Well, wait a minute. How, wait a minute. Is, how, is it in, a how is it in our best interests to encourage that kind of a lifestyle, to say, it's okay if you only work six months of the year. You don't have to worry about, uh, about finding, when, when you're 18 or 19 and you're looking for a career, don't worry about finding a job that will pay you enough money to live all year long. Just find a job that will pay enough to, to, to work for six months or seven months so you can qualify for the EI for the other. How does that benefit anybody? Well, that's not what they're doing. For starters, they have seasonal work. Say their economies are driven by tourism, which is a summer job. They have uh, forestry, which is a summer job. Fishery is a summer job. That's just the way it works out there. And whether or not um, yeah. nobody's suggesting their layabouts or nobody's suggesting that the way of life out there is that way because they're lazy. That's just the way that their economy works. Having said that, they're much poorer than we are in Ontario. Ontario is the fat cat of Canada and always has been. And uh, as we've always paid money, if you like, to be uh, to have a country surrounding us, you know, uh, Ontario's so, always been the economic. So how engine. much how much do we pay to have Newfoundland floating off the uh, off the coast? We I think depends the, how much we want it. Well, I think the figure was in a, in in in. in uh, uh, <laughs> my brain's not working this morning. Was uh, more than in addition more than a billion dollars over the last I think four years in this. Program. Which is a pittance for a federal budget. Realistically, but how many hundred but billion. What have, but what have we got? Well, yeah, I know. And, and but we do. Do we want to encourage more waste? What have we got for the billion dollars? We've allowed these people to stay in Newfoundland for another four years, and and by all reports, most of them have not accommodated themselves to the changing reality because sure, they, they had, had no incentive. They haven't had. They hadn't had to do that. Well, the only the we only accommodation that you or I can suggest is move away from Newfoundland and. Sh no, I've already suggested there are other things you can change your well, your your micro business your, is, is uh, not the solution for unemployment. Well, most people can't start a micro anything. business. Anything. It doesn't matter. Whatever else. I've been in three or four different careers in my short lifetime. I can't see why anybody else can't do it. Um, if they're so insistent and they think that Canada is such a bad deal and they're not going to be part of this country unless we pay them to be, well, then let them separate and see how that improves their standard of living. I bet you it does. States would be glad to have them. We have I'm to not decide. talking about the states. I'm saying just even if they went independent on their own, and just like Quebec wants to do. And uh, so what would they do then? There's no lot of to cry to. And you think Washington's going to handle oh, sure money, is that right? Not, uh, not no, I, I beg to differ. I don't think the Americans would take Newfoundland with a 10-foot pole. What do they want Newfoundland for? 
Well, same reasons they've gathered land all everywhere else in, uh, in the world. The they've got, Virgin Islands. They've uh, got, got, they've, uh, got Puerto Rico. they've got to tie in all their all their entitlements, all of those federal. I, I read a study a couple of years ago. Where they were talking about the breakup of Canada, and and the Americans would be running to to cherry pick the country, and and you know they'd be glad to have ten more states. And the and it was only one person's opinion, but the 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 result of the article was that the Americans might take British Columbia and Ontario, but they would want no part of any of any of the rest of them for a lot of at that point very cogent reasons. By the time they plugged everybody into their social systems and 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 balanced that off against the economic benefits the United States oh, and Alberta too, against the the economic benefits of the United States, they said, why would we want these places? What do we want them for? Well, we, yeah, as if you want to compare. Uh, um, no, British Columbia to Alaska, for instance, I would suggest British Columbia is a lot more desirable than Alaska. Well, I said uh, economically. British Columbia, Alberta, and Ontario. They said well, we might take them, but you can keep the rest of them. We don't want them. But uh, you may have so a very different perception of the Americans than I have. As far as I sort of grew up with this idea, there was no, I'm just, I'm just, Monroe no, I'm just, I'm just, cha I'm just challenging, challenging the assumption that if a, that if a province left, like Newfoundland, left Canada, that they'd automatically become the 51st state. I don't think there's anything automatic about it. Yeah. yeah no, thing, bear in mind, of course, there's relevant, always really. been net migration from Newfoundland. That we all know people who have have left the mm -hmm. rock because the rock is a tough place to live yeah. I know a fellow who lived there for a few years and uh, he, he he was from Ontario he hated it so it was just bitterly cold all, all the time that uh, there's nowhere you could ever go swimming it was just a tough barren land uh, so for, from my end of it it's not like they're living in some paradise that we're subsidizing right now they're they're eking out a grim living out there uh, in a place that they that they love for uh, reasons of family or history so but just because they I don't the envy them so they, they love it so the government should subsidize them to stay there well if we want to again if we want them to be part of our country, then we then I think it's a good idea for us to try and figure out something for them to do. Now, if you're saying are we going to pay them UI? Do they want us to be part of their country? Do they want us to be part of their country? Maybe we we should be asking them for money. I don't think they otherwise want to give we us. won't. Otherwise, we won't be in their country. Well, we can ask all kinds of poor people to give us money. The fact is, we're the fat cat province. Oh, I just don't so, know how it's going to so, work. So then, that's why I was getting back <laughs> to like earlier. Your whole, your be whole impression of state <laughs> nationhood has got to do with money. Where the money is. Even you were suggesting that, Jim. You said the U.S. would only be interested in the three provinces where they could make a profit. Mm -hmm. But it's well, how, uh, I don't think that's what nationhood is based on, or what 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 governments are all about, or what what it's they not should based be. Based on profitability, either. But certainly, I will agree with you that any country that 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 practices a, a, a high degree of socialism isn't in a good position to expand because it, it just accumulates more liabilities. It doesn't accumulate assets and, and income and, and prosperity. We have one of the fastest growing economies in the world right now. Okay, let's, let's refocus a little if we can, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll invite our callers to join us. The premise this morning, or the question this morning was, should the federal government um, continue to pump hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, into programs in Newfoundland to allow Newfoundlanders to stay there? Uh, Bob Metz basically says, no, they shouldn't. Jeff Schlemmer basically says, yes, they should, for a variety of reasons. I'd like to know what you think about it. 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel Sailor. This is Left, Right, and Center on Talk of the Town. This is Left, Right, and Center with Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz. And uh, our question this morning is, should the federal government continue to pump money in Newfoundland so Newfoundlanders, particularly people in the fishing industry, can continue to live there even though their industry has disappeared? Uh, Bob, for a variety of reasons, says, no, they shouldn't. And Jeff, for a variety of reasons, and says, yes, they should. We'd like to know what you think, and uh, let's get John on next. Good morning, John. Good morning, Jim. Yes, sir. Um, I was a little surprised when you said, why would the United States want Newfoundland? Well, I don't want to get off. The, that's not really the topic. We can maybe do that on another day. I know there are no, reasons I think, why they would. I, I would think they want it because, uh, and, I, and this ties into your topic, because of the one of the best assets that Newfoundland has that the Americans would want. And my contention would be, why doesn't the federal government go to bat for Newfoundland so that that 
asset generates money for Newfoundland what instead as- of for Quebec. What asset is that? The Churchill Falls Labrador Power Corporation. Well, but, you know, a contract's a contract. I hate to say that, but somebody screwed up when they set that deal up. That's right. So what do we do now? We break the contract? I... Why not? Why not have a look? Why is a contract a contract for for life? I don't, you know, Roger's contract with me isn't for life. Well, it would be if you signed it as such, though. If you signed a hundred-year deal, it's a hundred-year deal. I know what you're saying, and I think it was a bad deal for for Newfoundland and Labrador, no question. But but in a in a community ruled by law, uh, where we value the law, where we value property rights, at least as far as they go, how can you say, well, we're going to make an exception in this case? I don't think you can do that, can you, John? I think you can if you're talking about separation and not being part of a country and this being part of another country. Don't countries take over other countries? And yeah, but Newfoundland's not talking about separating. Well, that's what you you, uh, were, yeah. uh, you guys were talking no, earlier no, about. No, it was, just, it, was, it, was, it was mentioned kind of in passing and, and as part of the discussion. The heart of the discussion today is should the federal government be spending money to keep Newfoundlanders in Newfoundland? Do you think they should? Um... Yeah, to a point, but I think they should be encouraged to be generating their own... Uh... Well, no, but that's what, that's what they're spending the money for, is to encourage them. They've spent uh, more than a billion dollars, I think, in the last four years, and they've spent tens of billion dollars in the last 50 years, and you know where the, the good people in Newfoundland are today. They're still, you know, the poorest province. Uh, people are still leaving in droves because there's no work. So all this money that they've thrown at them, that hasn't worked so far. No, it hasn't. And so, all so they want to do probably is go fishing, and they can't do that because the government, the, the government's in a kind of a catch-22. They stop them from doing their job. Yep. The, the other issue I, I just can never understand is why people continue to believe that government spending to encourage people to, to get results that they can only get from a marketplace can possibly work. It never has and it never will. It worked in Japan uh, after uh, World War II. It didn't work in Newfoundland uh, uh, since no, 1949. It didn't work in Prince Edward Island and it didn't work in North Bay when they set up these great humongous government... Uh, and, and Jeff, what happened in Japan after World War II happened despite the fact that... Uh, governments poured money into there. What happened there was that there was a discipline enforced on Japan where they had to open their markets to some degree and had to become part of the world community. Well, we've read different books. What I've heard is that they had a closed economy where they fostered an auto industry which was nascent. Uh, Nis- but, it was uh, Toyota. A, but it was a controlled economy. I think that's the big difference. It had to be a controlled economy and it's only now that they're breaking out of those controls and look what's happening to their economy. It's falling apart. Well, they're still having an awful time though trying to import cars into Japan. <laughs> It's still very tightly, tightly oh, uh, regulated. Uh, tremendous regulation. Well, John, it's not helping them. John, bottom line to you then. Should we continue to put money in or should we say to the Newfoundlanders, you've got to make it on your own like all the rest of the Canadians? No, I think we've got to continue to put the money in. We can't cut off part of the country and just say, too bad. Okay, thanks for the call, John. Okay. Appreciate it. And another John joins us. Good morning, John. Morning, Jim. Yes, sir. Yeah, I have a, uh, maybe a partial solution to this problem in Newfoundland. It's, yeah. it's based on the solution I have for the income tax problem. Yeah. But Newfoundland being isolated is very suitable for a test, test of it. Okay. All right, what we would do is we would give every person in Newfoundland a guaranteed income, 5000 for adults, 2000 for children. Yeah. Um, this would be based, uh, it would be given every month by the government. Now, uh, there'd be immediate tax on any income earned of 20%. Oh, like above, above that, above the guarantee? Above the guarantee. Okay. Any income they earned, they get their guarantee, but any income they earned, they would pay 20% immediately back in tax to the government. Okay. What this would do is, I mean, the fisherman that's working six, uh, three months a year, 
would be able to earn his income from the fishery. Mm-hmm. But during the rest of the year, instead of you, I, uh, uh, and all the other programs, he would still be getting his check, his wife would be getting his check, and if he had two kids, that would give them $14,000 a year. So what's different, John? What's well, different? How's anything different? Ah, you're just, you're just calling there's, there's, welfare. There's, there's, can I finish, please? You asked me a question. How, what's different? So before you put in point, I'd like to finish. The, the, what the, this is different is there's no restrictions on this. They are now free to work all year long, and the money goes out. There's no restrictions on this. They don't have to work for a certain period of time in order to get the check. They can now start their industries with this. This would be, give a, an economy that now has a base to it. The people who have the income coming in, there's no stigma to the income that's coming in. So, so you're saying that there's some some legal restriction on them working right now? Oh, there is. If you want to get out UIC and all the other programs, you, ha- you have to be unemployed. Well, then you're saying that people are collecting UIC... Uh, because they don't want to work. Um, uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, we all know that that occurs. So let's not get off on a, su- a subtopic here. Like, I know this is a way. That well, no. If that occurs, and we both acknowledge that, then how is your plan going to improve the situation? I still don't see how anything's going to change, and I don't see how there's going to be First an incentive all, a... for people to want to work when they're still being handed money. No, they get the job, but now they can work without restrictions on that money. If you're getting UIC, you cannot work and get a job that pays less. You, this, is a for, this is a formulation that would start a base economy because people aren't just going to sit there. They're going to go and start to work. They're going to start small, small industries, so small jobs. The economy improves. It doesn't take long or much money to pay back your 5000 If you work at a 20% t- rate of return, then at $25,000 a year income, you've already paid back what you've got. Well, then you're kind of almost describing sort of a loan. Really, it's, not, it's not a loan. It's a guaranteed income, which the government is doing. Instead of giving subsidies for every program, they go and supply every... Even the well, well, it's was not a loan in the check. sense that someone has to sign a liability, but it, it works as a loan in the way you've it, described it. Excuse me, sir. It's not a loan. It's a, it's a government check that goes to everybody. It's reverse income tax. What happens is, instead of them taking money away from you on your income no, tax... No, but didn't you say that they pay it back when they go back no, to work they, they, they through a 20% through tax? tax? of a 20% tax. Well, that's why I'm saying you're, you're describing something that works like a loan, but you're just calling it something different. You're saying that the government should hand these people X dollars, whatever it is, and that they will pay those dollars back from no, their future taxes. This could taxes. also work in the whole country as a whole instead of the tax system that we have today. It's well, you know, I kind of would agree with you on that, and I sure sure wouldn't have any problem with a welfare system that obliged the recipient of welfare to pay it all back after they've but gotten off welfare. this isn't a welfare system, sir. This, the top lawyers would get it. The premier of the province would get it. Everybody in Oh, well, no, 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 no. You can't have a universal system yes, and expect to help system. the people sure, at the it's bottom. It's income tax because these people would then pay back. Well, where's money Not all coming back, from? But the money would come from the income tax. And where's that is, money come from? That comes from the money they earn oh, for starting from the first dollar they earn. They pay 20 cents. No, but where's the initial money tax. come from? The first 5000 you want to give them when they're not working? That comes from somebody no, else's no, pocket. No, but if somebody takes a job and only makes $10,000 a year, the government gets back $2,000 in tax. So how much should a lawyer get for guaranteed minimum the, the income? Lawyer gets you said the lawyer gets the same 5000 If he makes $60,000 a year, he pays back 5% of that or $6,000 in tax, and therefore there's a positive return on that lawyer of $1,000. So you're saying everybody in the country should have a $5,000 guaranteed income. Everybody in you could do it as a test case and see how this would affect it. So if what you you're study economics, that... you'll understand how this works. And what about those people that take that money and choose not to go to work? We just forgive bad. them? They take their money. That's, we call it a Canadian uh, Newfoundland citizen's uh, right, and they, but uh, you wouldn't find that. It's, it's a positive. There's no, there's no, there's no 
negative to them so not going saying, out and getting a job, saying then starting that small companies, starting small furniture yeah. factories, okay. going out in the fishery. There's no negative to that now. You're saying then, though, that if they cannot survive on the five grand and they do not choose to do anything else, they don't get, they anything, don't get anything else. They get nothing That's else. It. All the other programs are gone. There's no UIC. There's no the other people that can't find program. more work? But what about the people that can't find more work? Well, the, Jim, you've got a, a husband, a wife, and uh, two, 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 four children. That's fourteen thousand dollars a year. They might be able to, to live on that. And they can also now, if you go to, you've in got fact, that. They could live on that. In yeah. Newfoundland. So why work? Well, because most most people do want to work. You'd find that maybe ten percent of the population or twenty wouldn't work. Bob, but now we've got fifty percent. Isn't that your premise, though, Bob? Is that given the proper incentive, everybody does want to work? Isn't that what you keep well, telling right. us? Well, that's right. And this and John's recommending something that I think has taken away an incentive. Sometimes that fourteen thousand dollars or five thousand may be the critical straw that is the incentive factor. It, it also is a factor that allows people now to go out and start jobs because when you go to a bank sometimes they say to you well we give this one what are you going to live on and if you've got that fourteen thousand dollars that's coming in the bank knows that they might give you a five thousand dollar loan to start a small business there's a lot of natural resources in newfoundland that allow people to go out and perform and to start many small industries of, of things that they, they might not be able to make have made a full-time living on right, but John. now they've got this money coming in they can now go out and do that and you'll be surprised how much industry start this is not any government, any government program, this is making everybody equal, giving them a start, and, and letting them work. And okay, it could work John? across the country. But let's, Newfoundland is isolated. We could go in there and we could test this system and get rid of okay. all the bureaucracy that's okay, involved no, John, in everything think, else. Yeah, you made your point. I think no, I appreciate you. your call. Thanks Bye. for the call. John, John actually made a very interesting point in mentioning uh, how business might react. You know, if, if business moved into Newfoundland under John's plan here, they could pay very, very low wages, possibly below the minimum wage, and still still pay enough to inc increment everyone's wages. Might revitalize the province. Yeah. So third world, right? <laughs> if you third believe world that. Third world at our doorstep. <laughs> like that. Let's go right back to the phones with Jerry. Hi, Jerry. Hi. I want to say, first, of all the people that I've met in this world, I have not met one person from Newfoundland that I have not been treated with respect and dignity to. So when I put the question to you this way, it's not that in disrespect. Okay. I have a question for you, bye, and if you stay where you're too, I'll come here at with the idea. <laughs> Are you still there? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, go ahead, Jerry. Uh, oh, anyhow, uh, why doesn't the government get together with an organization, uh, whether it be a Japanese automotive company, uh, German automotive company, somebody uh, give the first shot to Canada and the United States, and if they're not interested, then go after somebody else and give them a massive acreage of land where they can construct an automotive plant, a, a, a right whatever now, plant, Jerry, and I'm all, and then educate the people that are out of work. Like, for example, I deal with the camis and all these other places yeah. and all the little spur companies mm -hmm. that make the dashboards. And Jerry, I can answer your them. question. I can answer your question why the government doesn't do that. Because those companies have no interest in going to a place like Newfoundland, and here's why. Give them the land. They don't care about the land. The cost of the land over the course of the life of a factory is, is minuscule to a big company like that. The land, the land cost does not matter at all. So what else can you give them? You've got a place that's way off the beaten path in terms of getting supplies and services to it. It's very expensive to do that in Newfoundland. You've got a workforce that's untrained, and there are trained workforces in places all around the world where you could build your plant uh, much, more, much more cheaply and have a trained workforce waiting for you. That's why we don't see those kinds of projects in places like Newfoundland. It's a great idea, except they're too expensive. Yeah, but do you ever think of one thing? 
the natural harbors of Newfoundland is off the beaten track. The, the, the harbor in, in uh, I think, St. John is bigger in size than the harbor in New York. It's, uh, yeah, I've but all the people are in New York. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> Salem, Massachusetts used to be bigger. Well, uh, why don't they build cars in New York then? Uh, well, no, what I'm talking about, first of all, there's no room for the plant. It's all taken up unless we do it in Central Park. But no, I was saying if the government somehow could work out a deal where the part of the cost of, of the building the plant, everything would and then the, the spurs that would come off of that plant, the people that can no longer fish could learn tool and die work or no. learn textile work. Jerry, there's no... Yeah. I, I think it would be a great idea. Throw it to your people there and, I, and I'll okay. let you go and then see what happens. All right, thanks, Jerry. Well, let's ask each of you in turn, Jeff, um, what about Jerry's idea? Is that a potential solution, that the government give huge tax concessions and give them the land and do whatever it takes to get a major manufacturing plant there? Well, there is there is some analogy to, to that. I think of uh, the southern United States, for instance, uh, South Carolina and North Carolina in the last 10 years have got a Mercedes plant. They're building the uh, 4x4s. Alabama, isn't it? Is it Alabama? I think okay. It's Alabama. And the BMWs, the... Yeah. Um, convertibles as well, that mm -hmm. I suppose there's, there's a, an attractiveness to uh, low wages, and theoretically if they get low enough, then uh, they may compete on a third world kind of a basis. Um, I don't, the other thing I, that I'm aware of is that the auto industry is increase, increasingly global, that is the parts are made all over the place, and shipped all over the place, but uh, it, on the other hand, if it was such a great idea, I would have thought it would be done by now, so I don't know how that works. Bob, what well, about from your perspective, well, from the right side of it, does that make any sense? Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking of, of, of this whole idea that government can sort of spur business. Government can't do anything but inhibit business. It taxes business, it taxes employees, it taxes the marketplace. Government is not uh, a, a positive force in the marketplace. Um, again, I have to hold it. Every, every dollar that government spends is a dollar spent badly because it's forced spending. Um, every penny that you've taken out of your pocket and spend against your will is not value you got for your money. And that's what the issue there's so much of the of the depth of economics that's missing in most people's understanding like when i hear jerry's suggestion of of yeah why doesn't the government just make this deal and you know go to newfoundland ha get a factory start it all up it sounds so nice on that superficial surface but it totally ignores every principle of economics and and motivation of market and 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 all sorts of behaviors it just it's not going to happen but on the other hand though leave aside the government subsidy issue and, and just talk about whether it would make economic sense to build a factory there and i think about you know we ship cars over from uh, korea we ship them a lot further than newfoundland to get them here uh what is uncompetitive about newfoundland per se well jim just went through a whole list of all the problems they have in but newfoundland say but but Newfoundland's, you know, geography's part of it, the, the, the lack of uh, an infrastructure developed that can support everything that they need to do, uh, the access to markets, all those things are considerations. And in a, in a fluctuating world market, sure, Newfoundland, I think, could compete. I think Newfoundland left to its own devices without the rest of us trying to stick our noses into their business by helping them, quote, uh, would probably do very well. It would find its niche, but its niche right now is no longer fishing or in the cod industry, and if we keep sending them money, they're not going to get the message. Okay, let's go back to the phones where Wayne joins us from Grand Bend. Good morning, Wayne. Hi, how are you guys today? Great, thanks. Good. Wayne. Good. Listen, we're kind of in the story here, like uh, we can't see the forest for the trees. Uh, we're bringing in people from Mexico, Jamaica, and other places every year to do the menial jobs that Canadians don't seem to want to do, such mm -hmm. as farm work and summer transient stuff. Yep. Uh, why not look after our own people first, rather than giving them out handouts, say, here's a job for you, 
it happens to be in Ontario or it happens to be in British Columbia or wherever, uh, there's no work for you here, but there is work for you there. And uh, what's the difference for them relocating versus people coming to Canada from all over the world? That's the whole, the whole question is, though, do we want to force Canadians, and we, if you cut off the government funding, you are forcing Canadians to leave their homes to find work. Is that well, right or wrong? Well, what, what's the difference uh, with the people coming here from all over the world now? Well, they're not Canadians, though. We're not concerned about them. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Let's be concerned about our own people first. But again, do you, wa do you want to say to Canadians, do you want to say to the, to the fisher people in the outports, you have to leave the home where your, your family's lived for six or seven generations, and you have to go to Ontario to pick apples if you want to eat? Do we but, want to say that to of them? Of course. Okay, fair it, enough. It, it, it's a matter of survival. Mm -hmm. uh, who created, who made Canada? People that left their homes yeah. all over the world. Yeah. And uh, we cannot keep on having a welfare system. All right. uh, there, there's jobs here. I'm, I'm a small mom-and-pop business. Uh, for sure, within two weeks, we could employ 20,000 people in this province of Ontario. I'm just picking that 20,000. Mm -hmm. It would be a lot more than that. If we would take people that haven't got a job and are living on the welfare system... Uh, I could pay them five bucks an hour. The government could pay them five bucks an hour, mm -hmm. plus their benefits, mm -hmm. giving them $10 an hour. Mm -hmm. But my position is I cannot pay seven bucks an hour plus the benefits. Mm -hmm. So everybody wins. The taxpayers save five bucks an hour. Uh, the people get a $10 an hour living instead of minimum wage. Yeah. Uh, it, it's such a simple solution. And I think that's the problem to our whole system now. We're looking for difficult solutions to a simple problem. All right, Wayne, thanks for the call today. Thank you. Appreciate it. We have to pause for just a second. When we come back, Elaine's going to join us on Talk of the Town. Jeff Slemmer, Bob Metz, and Jim Chapman here, left, right, and center on Talk of the Town. And Elaine has been waiting very patiently. Good morning, Elaine. Hi, Jim. Um, I just thought uh, about the immigrants. Why not uh, send all the new immigrants to Newfoundland with their money and their ideas to create jobs? Like, is, would that be a possibility? Well, we certainly... The ability as a sovereign nation to direct new immigrants to our country. Uh, we have, uh, and we've done it in the past. In fact, I think there are still, are there still not some residential quotas that you only, so many people have to go here and so many there? There were at one sure. time. I don't know if they're still there now. Yeah, we could do that. It's within our power. Yeah, because I think a lot of the problem is just like the population too. They don't have much of a population. You know what I'm... Well, I'll tell you, though, if, if you told immigrants that if they came to this country, they had to go to Newfoundland, it certainly would be an effective way of cutting immigration. Because I don't... <laughs> a lot of people come here for the opportunity, yeah. not to bring an opportunity with them. That's They're true. leaving countries that, that, that don't have the opportunities that Canada has. And so here we are, sitting about, talking about Canadians uh -huh. who live in a country with the opportunity, but who just don't want to move from one part of it to the other. And, and we're, we're going to solve their problem by bringing in immigrants. It, you see, the, the, there's well, no solution bring, to well, this. Well, if their country is worse than Canada, some of these countries are communist countries and sure. whatever, mm -hmm. and they're not like easy to do business in or, or make a profit, but it would be a better alternative to the country they're in. Well, I'm sure you might find some very resourceful people who, who just might do that. But yeah. I, wonder, I wonder what the reaction of the people in Newfoundland would be from the... I think their perception might be that you're dumping all these immigrants on us. We already no, don't no. have them. Again, it depends who you're talking Newfoundland about, though. The people are very warm-hearted and generous. You wouldn't have that problem well, there. Well, I think, yeah, I, I, I understand all of that, but the people in Newfoundland are just like people everywhere, and you start threatening their livelihood, and they're going to get real ugly. No, no, but it would be creating jobs. Like, well, well there's you a know, class of immigrants that you can get in. You can get into Canada, if, and I can't remember what the dollar number 
number is, but if you've got it's five hundred thousand dollars, whatever the yeah. cutoff is, if you've got that, you're automatically come on in. If, those are, if those are the folks you're talking about, then they probably would welcome them. If it's unemployed immigrants, they probably wouldn't be too happy about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But I'm just thinking, like Frank Stronach was, like he was an immigrant, yeah, and yeah. so he came to Ontario, of course, yeah. and he did really, really well in mm -hmm. open companies. Mm -hmm. But if he were to go to Newfoundland, if that was kind of his only choice. Maybe that could have happened down there. Right, it, it might have. On the other hand, he might have ended up on the welfare rolls in Newfoundland, too, for all of them. Who, Frank I doubt uh, it. You never know. <laughs> Thanks I for the call, Elaine. So. Appreciate but, it. By the way, okay. uh, but we've been talking about, like, Newfoundland or the rest of Canada. Let's face it, there are other choices, both for immigrants and Newfoundlanders. They can go to other countries. They can yeah. go to Europe. They can go to the States. Oh. They can go to the Southeast Asia. So, uh, you're quite right. So you let's know, refocus. We're not the only answer. Let's refocus back to where we originally started. Should the federal government be spending money to keep Newfoundlanders in Newfoundland? Uh, let's have Jerry join us. Hi, Jerry. You know, I don't know where to start with you guys. <laughs> I'm a pretty proud Newfoundlander, you know? Yeah. And I listened to you three guys there, and one guy said uh, that's one way to, to stop immigrants from coming into the country is send them to Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. What an insult. Why? That wasn't meant as an because insult, Jerry. You first talked about the weather, which you haven't got a clue on. Have any of you three ever been in Newfoundland? Yeah, Jerry, that's not the point. And, and, well, and no, wait, no, wait a minute, Jerry, no, wait a minute. I'm going to give you an opportunity to speak here, but you've got to speak in the context of our conversation. The comment about the weather, somebody said that someone else had said that's what they felt about the weather in Newfoundland. Yeah. Okay, so, so fair is fair. Yeah. Bob's comment about the immigrants was because there is, there is not a lot of economic uh, opportunity in Newfoundland right now, and that's the problem we're talking about, to tell people coming here that you have to go to an area of our country that is already in serious economic problems they're probably not going to want to go there. Now, that's not insulting anybody. Okay. I, I, I was 17 years old when we went into Confederation mm -hmm. with Joey Smallwood and all these henchmen. Yeah. I've seen what went down there. I was among... No, Jerry, that, and again, that's not what we're talking no, about. No, but you, well, let's get, I, what I'm uh, getting up to is uh, Churchill Falls. Yes. They literally give it away. They did, and we've talked and, about and, that and earlier on the program, and that's a big problem, but that's not the that's issue, it, that's yeah. not the issue we're talking about today. That's when people, like on Bell Island, uh, we had the biggest iron ore yep. company yep. in the world. Mm -hmm. They closed down, and all the men from Bell Island went to Cambridge, which was called Galt then. Yes. And they, after a while, they got all their families up there. Yep, yep. Now, what you don't realize is there's more Newfoundlanders in, in, in Canada, as far as Ontario goes, than there is in all of Newfoundland. Yes. Yeah. In New York. Yeah. They couldn't do the steelwork without the Newfoundlanders That's and the right. Indians. But, Jerry, that comes back to uh, our qu question again, then, because those Newfoundlanders who had to leave, or who did leave, chose to leave to make lives for themselves somewhere else in Canada. Most of those Newfoundlanders have been fairly successful. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, and I'm, I had to leave. I didn't and, want and to leave. And you did, and you came here, and you're successful. But our question... Well, I went to the States first okay, with Jerry, my relatives Jerry, in, in, yeah, in Jerry, Massachusetts. Jerry. But, but our question is, our question is, today, 1998, the federal government is facing a decision. They have to make a major decision. Do we continue to pump hundreds of millions of dollars into Newfoundland for programs that don't do anything other than just allow people to stay there? Or do we say to those people in Newfoundland, folks, it's a great country. Many of your friends, neighbors, and relatives have had to leave and have found prosperity elsewhere. You're going to have to make that same decision. Which do you think the federal government should do? No, they shouldn't. They shouldn't support people that are... Uh I, I have to agree with that. They shouldn't support people that are not going to uh, contribute to the economy down there. They should get out and do what I did and a lot of other Same Newfoundlanders. You. But you're looking at people in the fishery, in the outports, 
that are in their 50s and 60s, yes. and they say to, their, they say to themselves, well, where else do I go? And that's what a, do I do? That's a very good point. And those are the people that really put the, 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 put the pedal to the metal on this one here. Jerry, thank you for the call. I have to leave it. We're running short on time, but I'm glad you called today. Okay. And uh, Ray's up. Good morning, Ray. How are you doing today, Jim? Fine, thanks. You know, when I was 17, I was living in London area, and there was no work here, so I went to Winnipeg for a couple of years. Yeah. Found work, worked for those couple of years. Things changed a little bit, but I came back home. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. I don't think that Canada should should have to send out that much money. If the area that they live in cannot support them, then they should move to where they can. They don't have to sell their land or anything. And mm -hmm. if ch times change or they become prosperous elsewhere, then they can retire back to their family homesteads or, mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. But which a lot of people do. Yeah. Exactly. But Canada should 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 stop pumping money in, into a dead end project because it's never gonna it's never gonna help. If it hasn't helped so far. Then how's it going to change? It's not. The well, we're talking about the cloud stocks right now. That's a pretty recent problem, and I think the question isn't whether you should let it go on forever. It's like, do they need some help to get Kickstarter or not? Okay, well, so they've been doing it for four years, whatever. They're talking about doing it for another four or something like that. Which is so, nothing as far as an industry setting up an industry goes. But they haven't set up anything. And they shouldn't. All that's, they've done is the pump the money in. That's a disagreement. Is there any hope for it, or should we just shut her down? Unemployed in Ontario as well. Yeah, it comes down to: can you do anything about it, or should you just cut your losses? Cut your losses. Let if the if the. It, the, enough people will have to move if they, it will move if they have to. Therefore, leaving the people that don't move that can stick it out or tough it out or whatever, then they will find work. There is work. If you can't find a job, then you make a job and, and you get on with it. That's and you're right. It may be like, for instance, you've got Hibernia out there. There are things happening, and it may be that if those bloom, you may have another Alberta. Who knows? Yeah. Well, yeah, true enough. And then, okay, so 10 years from now, this, the cod stocks come back, and everybody's happy, and there's a there's And everybody's a rushing there. to Newfoundland then. <laughs> right. Then they can go back. Yeah, yeah right. But Thanks you got to do what you got to do. Appreciate it. Have a good day. And he, you know, used the example of going west. I went west in the late 60s, as a lot of young Canadians of my age did, because that's where the act that's where the action was. That's where the jobs were. That isn't the case nearly as much anymore. A lot of people have come back since then. Uh, you go where the jobs are. We have to pause for a moment. We'll come back and get some final thoughts from both of our guests this morning on left, right, and center. Guys, we have about 30 seconds each. Jeff, uh, do you still believe that we should be pumping the money in? Yeah, that, uh, that's what a confederation is all about, and that uh, there are times when uh, some of our uh, other citizens go through tough times, and uh, this is one of them. We have to help them get through until we get some fish back out there. Bob, uh, what's wrong with uh, helping them temporarily? Nothing wrong with helping them temporarily if it's done as voluntarily as possible and as briefly as possible. I thought, you know, again, I don't like the uh, universal aspect of it, putting in these permanent solutions to a temporary situation because then we are hooked on the welfare hook forever. Gentlemen, thank you. Always a pleasure. Next Wednesday, Bob and Jeff will return for the next edition of Left, Right and Center. Tomorrow we have a local investment counselor who says we are all in danger as we're uh, maximizing our RSPs and doing our investments. He says we are not getting the protection we deserve and too many people don't know that. You'll meet him and find out what he's concerned about tomorrow. Also, toe-to-toe -to -toe with Ms. Don if she's back. In the meantime, for Jeff and uh, for Bob and for Ryan, this is Jim saying take care of each other, mind how you go, and we'll see you on the next edition of Talk of the Town.